Good morning, everyone. This is Helen Hooper, and I am the host of the Ladies' Choice Life Support Podcast. Thank you this morning for joining us again. It is Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., November the 12th. And as usual, if you're headed out the door, which you probably are, so go after 7, we want you to check for that other guy in traffic because he may not be checking for you. We want you to arrive safely to your destination, so be careful out there. And our inspirational word this morning, I like to always say something to begin um, your Tuesday morning. I wanted to say the words that you speak have weight, they have presence, and they have no geographical um, limitations. So whatever you say, watch your words. You may be canceling out blessings if you are speaking the wrong words into the atmosphere. So that's something for you to think about this morning. Watch your words. They have weight. They have presence. And they are living. So watch your words. Amen. So this morning, our conversation will be about domestic violence, the effects of domestic violence. And this morning, we do have a guest with us. um, And she's going to speak about her experience in the the, um, domestic violence situation that she was in and the effects that it had on her and her children. And I want to introduce her this morning. Her name is Rose Palmer, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her story and how this affected her life and how it continues to affect her life or not affect her life. So we're going to say good morning to Rose. Good morning, Rose. How are you? Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining us and agreeing to come on and talk about this because it's such a touchy subject um, for women. We know that domestic violence can take all kinds of turns and have all kinds of effects lasting effects and most of them are negative effects right so Rose we want you to tell us a little bit about yourself we know your name is Rose Palmer but um, tell us a little bit about yourself Uh, I was born in England Mm -hmm. and I moved to America when I was a little girl and then I went back to England Mm -hmm. and um, I uh, just been I had a interest in life Yeah, so um, I, I was married twice um, with my my first child who was born in my first marriage and my second in my second marriage. Okay, so we know that, um, and those of you, you know, I, Rose and I have known each other for um, some years now. We've yeah, become friends. We've become, years. yeah, it's been so long ago. It's been a minute. I think it was about 10, years. Yeah, about 10 years. <laughs> so um, when I thought about doing this segment, I thought about her because we shared a lot about um, how the both of us went through um, a domestic violence situation in our marriages. But I thought about her because um, she has a really profound story to tell. And she shared it with me. And I, I contacted her first because I knew that um, she could share something with the ladies that are listening this morning. So we're going to get started. We're going to ask Rose to just, you know, tell us about um, your situation, how it happened. You know, what happened with, with that situation, your first husband? Tell us a little bit about that. How did it even get to the point where, um, and did you see any red flags? No. Um, okay. So growing up, um, I'm a lot older, so growing up, uh, the tradition was to get married at a certain age. When I was 18, I got married, and um, I married this gentleman that I thought was 
you know, good. Decent. Decent, mm -hmm. correct. Mm -hmm. And all what you thought of, you know, growing up is thinking, you know, your parents tell you, marry someone good and they're going to take care of you yes. and so forth. That was the old mm -hmm. school mentality. Yeah, because most mothers are probably <laughs> one, you know, they teach our, they teach the um, little <clears throat> girls how to be good wives yes. and good mothers. Correct. And then they teach men how to be, you know, go out and do what you're going to do. Right. But young women have to be good mothers and good, you know, good, good mothers and, and whatever. And the only downfall to that is that mm -hmm. they never taught you how to take care of yourself. Exactly. It was always mm -hmm. that someone else had to take care of you. Mm -hmm. And you had to take care of the other person. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. So with that going forward, um, he, when we got married, he started to be controlling. He started telling me, well, from now on, you are not to go to the store by yourself. You're not, you have to have either his his siblings or his parents or him go with me. Mm -hmm. um, his parents? Yeah, I, I could not go by myself anywhere and I didn't, I thought that was odd. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, Let me ask this question. Uh -huh. You didn't see that in your mm -hmm. own home though? No. Did you see it in your own home? No. With your mom well, my parents were strict, mm -hmm. but they allowed me to go to the store mm -hmm. by myself. And so your father was not that way with your mother? No. Okay. No. Mm -hmm. So it was something new to me. I didn't understand this. Mm -hmm. And um, when he he tried to uh, control me even more, he would go out and not take me. And um, he would not let me know his friends. I But he would come home drunk sometimes. Um, middle of the night and I'll ask him where where were you <clears throat> and if I questioned him he would hit me and he says I have no right to ask him anything yeah, and it was it was a continuous amount of him hitting me and um, my self-esteem was very low but I was ashamed to tell my parents I was ashamed to tell anyone and so I hid it I didn't uh, when my parents would ask me how I'm doing I would I would lie to them and tell them I'm good but I wasn't how many years did you stay with him honestly mm -hmm. I didn't stay with him that long uh, only a year and a half because I was so naive I, I didn't even know I was pregnant um, um, and when I found out I was pregnant I wanted to keep the baby because I I just I just wanted to keep the baby but I don't know what my reasons were, but I just knew I, I knew that I wanted her, or what, well, it, it ended up being a girl, so, mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> but um, he was violent, and of course my self-esteem wasn't there, so I wasn't thinking right. Uh, and when I had her, he was still hitting me, and um, he was threatening that he's going to hurt me and my daughter. And it got to the point that he nearly hurt both of us. Uh, well, he nearly hurt my daughter. And that's when I took a stand and said, I have to leave. And that's when I exposed him to my family mm -hmm. and told them that he's horrible. I, I need to leave. I need to, I need to do this now. And um, I left. Mm -hmm. I took her and I walked away. Mm -hmm. But we lived in another state. Um, and then eventually, I couldn't stay in that state because he was around, because he threatened that he had a knife to kill, uh, to slip both of our throats. So he did not leave you alone immediately? No. He didn't. He 
was he was still um, bothering us. So my parents had a house in another state, and I moved there without him knowing. And I, I took my daughter, and <clears throat> I uh, I got my divorce in that new state. And then eventually I I remarried mm-hmm. because I had this my daughter, and I thought you know I just I didn't know how to be alone. Exactly, because when you're in that kind of state, they make you um, think that they're the only ones that, you know, um, just going to love you, going to appreciate you. And you're right, your self-esteem is very low in those sort of um, um, circumstances. I hear a lot of women say the same thing. It's the same pattern. Yes. And um, if you look at men that are abusive and are controlling, Mm -hmm. they have the same pattern. Different faces. Yeah. Same pattern. Yes. So after you left, well, and yeah. I know it was kind of hard to get yourself together because it would be correct coming um, from your parents' house to his house and then this. What yes, happened after and then that? and it was you know always someone taking care of me because yes. uh, again mm-hmm. I didn't know how to take care of myself, mm-hmm. and um, now I had to have I had this little girl she's only um, nine months old, and I had to raise her. And I didn't have much of an education. All I had was a high school diploma at the time. Um, and uh, I didn't have much schooling. So I, I went to school part-time. And I had a job at a preschool because I thought I could put her in there too. So I worked there. I, I was only making, I remember, $60 a week. Oh, my God. $60 a week? <laughs> wow. $60, a, $60 week. a week. <clears throat> And I, uh, I'm, I was grateful for the fact that my parents, it was their house, so you know, they helped with the mortgage. Mm-hmm. But sixty dollars is not much to go with. No, it is not. And I didn't have any child support. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, when I got my divorce, I, I didn't even ask for anything because I didn't want him to know who I was. Of course. So my identity was kept quiet for a long time, and. Um, yeah, it took a lot of years for him to know where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, the I I met somebody else, and we went. I knew him since I was a little girl okay. in England, mm-hmm. and he came to visit, and I I fell in love. Mm-hmm. I loved him, and uh, we we decided to go back to England. And, uh, and I, I took my daughter went to England, and we grew up there. Uh, she grew up there. I uh, went to school, and um, the marriage was good. It was a good marriage. We had a thirteen-year marriage. Oh, it was okay. good for mm-hmm. the beginning part. Uh, I would say a good four years of the marriage mm-hmm. was good. But then he started drinking. But at that time, I had just gotten pregnant with my second child. Did you see any of the, the signs of alcoholism? If he <clears> was an alcoholic, did you see any signs of that? Well, he was had social drinks with his friends. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in England, they drink a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but so it was. I I didn't know. I was very naive too. I I didn't know all the signs. Of course. And. Um, he had friends coming around to the house, and they would drink, and then, um, but then there were, it was just social gatherings uh, at times. Um, but it's just when I got pregnant, I think the the whole 
responsibility he maybe just made him realize he had to grow up a little bit more yes. maybe i don't know mm -hmm. and then he decided he was his choice to start drinking heavily <clears throat> so when i was when we bought a house and three days into moving to the house i had a baby oh. yeah but he well, at that time became a um he was already a, a full-blown alcoholic mm -hmm. and that was difficult because then I didn't have any family I just my family was my ch my children mm -hmm. I had nobody and um, it was a very lonely life mm -hmm. and again I didn't want my family to know I was a failure mm -hmm. I felt it was all on me that it was my fault but it wasn't now that I realize mm -hmm. it was not my fault it was my maybe possibly my fault for not seeing all the signs. But how do you know? How do you know all the signs? Because domestic violence is something everybody <clears throat> they don't they don't experience that. Correct. And then you talk to women all the time. Nobody sees the red flags. Right. Nobody knows what the red flags are but into, with domestic violence. Um, mm -hmm. and, unless you're in it, so unless then you really see the yes. true person. Mm -hmm. And so, isolation is one of those yes um, those big signs if he's isolated and if you're isolated that's one of the huge signs we were very isolated mm -hmm. uh, I would say seven years of that of isolation wow. um, so he would go to work and he would leave us alone uh, I couldn't I couldn't work because of the fact that I had no one to take care of the kids I had mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone very mm -hmm. well over there and um, the people didn't want people who knew him didn't want to didn't want to be around as much, or the wives didn't want to know me much because yeah. he was a full blown alcoholic mm -hmm. and they thought he was trouble. So let's just keep away. Mm -hmm. you know, and so that's isolated you even more. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I was in a more in the countryside. So of course that's more isolation. Yes. And um, he would he would go to work. But not come home. Uh, like uh, he would go to work on a on a Friday, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't see him come home till Sunday. And I would have to call around and find out where he is, his location. And he would be drinking and spending the night at this friend and that friend. And here I am with my two kids, with children, mm -hmm. um, and they were babies. You know, they were little, and I I didn't have any help. Mm -hmm. When did he come abusive? He was, he was, when he would come home on the Sunday, mm -hmm. um, we had to eventually, he started throwing things around and breaking things and threatening me that eventually, I didn't want my children to see that, so we would run up the stairs and hide up in my room and lock the door. Mm -hmm. And it got so bad that the only bathroom we had was downstairs. So I remember, I had to have a pail, uh, a bucket, so my children literally used that to go to the restroom in the, in the, in the yeah, just because I didn't want them to, you know, yeah, to have to go him. down and see, mm -hmm. see him. Mm -hmm. um, there were times that he would uh, get more aggressive and I would make sure that I knew that he would come home drunk. It was a pattern now. But I knew he was going to come home drunk, so we would plan it that I would make sure the kids have something to eat, and then hide them upstairs uh, in the bedroom, 
and um, when he would come, we would all be already upstairs in the room. But then he would, we would hear him yelling and cursing, and I could hear him breaking things downstairs. And um, it was a psychological uh, uh, emotion, emotion, yeah, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Because domestic violence is not just hitting. Right. It's emotionally correct. It's um, this just being abusive with his mouth. Yes. It could be anything. Domestic violence is a wide. It's, it is a wide spectrum of things. Right. And being psych- uh, more psychological. Yes. It stays with you forever. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something because they they overpower you. They make you feel you're beneath them, mm-hmm. and they make you feel you're unworthy for anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's how you make me feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in his hands. My life was in his hands. My kids' life was in his hands. And I allowed that to happen. But eventually, he would drink all the money and he would not have anything for us. So many times, there was nothing. I, I didn't have money to buy food. So, but what one good thing is the fact that. Coins were heavy, so the pound, one pound notes. It's not actually one pound bill. Uh, it's actually a coin. Okay. And um, when he would come home drunk, he would sleep on the couch. And so some of those coins would fall into the couch. Mm-hmm. And when he would go away, I would save those coins. And when I knew he was not going to be around, I would buy uh, bread mm-hmm. and rice. Or buy things I could stretch out yes. and cheese. Things were cheaper to take care of the kids. To take care of the kids, and I would make sure that they had maybe toast with cheese and uh, maybe hot tea mm-hmm. before. I would time it that before they go to bed that they have their belly full. Mm-hmm. But that's how we lived. Yeah. I had one pair of shoes oh my for a whole year, and it had, and I, cause I couldn't afford a shoe mm-hmm. or. or dress or anything I couldn't afford things I try to give my kids everything because I wanted to make sure that even though in that abusive environment we were in that they were also a kid they also had needs so little toys Mm -hmm. and it it could be maybe a pound or two pounds that is you know that is covering them from everything that just you know being a buffer for them Correct. To keep them away from all that that you were going through. Yes. The, the turmoil in the house. Yes. Well, tell me how that affected them. If growing up, did it affect your children? Yes, it did. Uh, it affected them a whole lot because eventually, I, after so much abuse and so much isolation, mm-hmm. I got to a point that I want to give up. I want to give up my life. I wanted to give up. You thought about suicide. Anyway, yes, I did. Uh, and it was because of the fact I didn't see much more of this life for me. I, I didn't see that there was a hope or yes. anything out there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want my kids to suffer anymore because we, we were just prisoners in a house. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just not a good household at all. I mean, he used to at times hit me, um, but this is when they weren't around. He threatened to kill me. Uh, there was a time that I had to, a few times I've actually had to call the police, and one one time it was that they 
the reporters got hold of the, um, the news. I cannot understand how they would get a hold of that and put it in the news. And they, they put it in the local news about wow. my um, violence. And so... Did he see that? He did not see that. I, I hid it from him. But my neighbors showed me the newspaper clipping of what he did and what they wrote in there. And I was devastated because here I am now dealing with this and I'm embarrassed too because my neighbors knew, but now the whole neighborhood knew. Yes, yes, whoever read that paper knew. Yes, mm -hmm. so they knew my house, we were suffering. Mm -hmm. And uh, walking down the street, instead of putting my head up high, my head was always down low. And it got to a point that I, I had, I called my mom, and she lived in America at the time. And I called my mom, and and I confessed. I said, I'm not happy. I'm so sad. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. And, you know, it was very emotional. And uh, it went through a whole long saga of telling her what was going on. Because I hid it for so many for so years. Many years. Mm -hmm. and how did you get away from him? That's how I got away from him. So I had to, I went to, you call them solic solicitors over there, which is actually a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I went to the lawyer and I said, I want a divorce. How can I do this? Um, because he's abusive. And they told me, well, in their, in their uh, laws, he has to still stay in the house. And I said, well, how, how is that? I, I don't know how that's going to happen. They said, well, there's such thing as a restraining order? Because you're in England. Yeah, you know, what, what, exactly. Is there a thing uh, called restraining order? If there was, he, the solicitor did not express this to me. Okay. And, and I didn't know what to do. So I thought of the next best thing. I started to be extra nice to my ex-husband mm -hmm. and conform to everything and I don't know how much more I could conform. I don't remember everything that I did, mm -hmm. but I try to talk, sweet talk him into moving and selling the house, telling him I wanted to, you know, let's do something more with the kids and mm -hmm. maybe get something nicer and, you know, whatever it was, mm -hmm. I convinced him. Mm -hmm. It's called survival, trying to survive. Yeah. And yeah. Um, once, I, so once we did get the house sold, I told him I wanted to move back to America with my kids. Mm -hmm. And I said, you can come too. And he says, okay, he'll do that. But then... Um, he agreed to move to America? He come agreed. To America. Because I, 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 was, I was talking to him about America too, mm -hmm. saying that you know the kids need their grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, and he convinced me. He, I convinced him and he, he eventually did. Okay. But um, we went separately. I, I, I took the kids and then he followed along a little after. Mm -hmm. and, um, but he knew I was at the point of, I was not happy with him. He mm -hmm. knew I was not happy. So I think, tired of the situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I eventually had more strength when I was around my family to say, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Mm -hmm. Because now I have my family. And then from there, he started, he moved into an apartment building mm -hmm. 
and I and some of the proceeds from the house, I, I put it down on a on a, a townhouse, okay. and I bought a townhouse for mm-hmm. my kids. So, but the money he had, we separated the money, you know, it's, uh, 50-50, mm-hmm. so he can have his few bits of money to do whatever he wants, but he spent it all. So when he spent it all, and it was thousands of dollars, he spent it all on, uh, you know, drinks. He wanted my money, and I told him the money that I did, I had went into the house for the kids, for the townhouse. And he says, well, you're a thief. And I said, I'm not a thief. How He's, would you be a thief? Exactly. He says, well, it's my money. And I said, it's 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 not your money. We sold the house. You know, it, the money went towards the kids. And um, it's for them to have shelter and a home. And he, I paid the mortgage from day one. He's never paid anything. He never helped me. And... Um, Eventually, the apartment building complex evicted him because of his alcoholism. He was that bad. Mm-hmm. He was terrible. Because only also when he he would cause a lot of havoc when he would drink too. Mm-hmm. Be very loud and belligerent. Wow. Yeah, he was terrible. So he had nowhere to go. He's homeless. And I felt bad. So me being feeling bad, I, I took him in. I said, "All right." I was silly. I felt compassionate. Or again, you didn't know. Yes. You know, being that that was your husband, this is something new. Domestic violence is new to a person. They, you know, they, they don't. They don't. They don't know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I let him come in, but then he started doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. He didn't get an He tried to isolate us. Although I was working now mm-hmm. and um, supporting the house, uh, my kids. When I would come home. We would have to, I would have to cook quickly, and my kids and I would have to eat upstairs and lock ourselves up in the room. Wow. Because, time. yeah, because he would come in drunk and he would start breaking things in the house again. So his bad habits was brought here. And I remember my uh, neighbor of mine in England telling me, she goes, you cannot go to paradise and take your troubles to paradise. Yes. This is true. So, um, and he was my trouble. Yes, he was. Oh, well. What would you tell women that are listening to this podcast? What would you tell them? What advice would you give them about getting out, getting stronger, um, and staying out? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, first, you need to have someone that is a friend that is not associated with him or her. Because abuse could be both male and female. Um, so get someone that they're not familiar with, that maybe you can meet, maybe even for coffee or something, or if it's not something you're able to do, some way of having some communication with that person. But that person has to be somebody who is positive, who you can uh, talk to and will give you honest advice, honest a, a way out mm-hmm. uh, and maybe support you and then at least they, they know your story regardless mm-hmm. and um, then try to find steps in helping yourself just know that with everything which I thought I was at my lowest I wanted to hurt myself 
hurt my kids because of the fact that didn't, I didn't think there was a way out. Always know there is a way out. Yes. We all have different paths and we all have a different way to go, but there is always a solution. So there is no dead end. Just remember that there's no dead end. Well, we've been talking to Miss Rose Palmer this morning and about the, the effects of um, domestic violence. And one more question, how is that affecting you now? Did those, um, do you still have the effects of that? What about your trust, if you have trust issues, anything of that matter? Yes. And how do you handle that if you do have those issues still? How do you handle that? Um, I did talk to friends and family, but uh, when I'm home alone, mm -hmm. um, there are times that I get down because I think of the past and think about what happened to me. But then I had to learn to love myself. Exactly. I had to learn, and it took me five years to figure that out, how to love myself. So the way to love myself was to allow myself to treat myself to things and allow myself to uh, know that I'm worth something. Yes. And then not only am I only taking care of other people, I have to learn to take care of myself. And that's something that we all forget to do sometimes, take care of ourselves As women, we do that. Especially yes. because we have, we're taking care of everybody, everybody else. else. Mm -hmm. You have to give yourself time to, even if it's a coffee for yourself, to treat yourself to even that nice piece of pastry or something yes. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, just sure. make sure it's something that makes you feel good. So always remember, anything you touch or feel or taste, make sure it made you feel good for that moment. And you build yourself up, you make yourself, you know, uh, stronger. And then you start feeling something inspiring. You start getting that inner strength. Yes, you do. And know that you can do more. You have to have faith in yourself. And if you don't have faith in yourself, then you're, you're just, you're just um, losing, you're just losing the will to live. Mm -hmm. You have to find it. And we want you to live, not just exist. We right. want you to live. Exactly. And, and that's what I know Rose. So I know right now she's living her best life. Um, I've seen her um, grow and grow and grow. And, and she's still doing so. Yes. And we're, we're still friends. And I see her go to higher heights all the time. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to share before we stop the podcast? We went over a little bit, but I wanted to get the real, you know, a real feel. Yeah. Because domestic violence has a lot of moving parts. A lot. Had a lot of tentacles in it. We, we for red flags, control, controlling who you see, where you go, who your friends are. Those are red flags. Yes. Yes. Temper. I mean, getting mad if he can't, if, if you don't do it, you know, what he's saying. Those are red flags. Correct. Any other um, thing you wanted, anyone to add before we I mean, get off the air? Trust issue is yes. also, mm -hmm. um, something that mm -hmm. will always be something you be, all be mm -hmm. wary. And that's something you have to learn to mm -hmm. uh, take a chance on mm -hmm. with certain things, uh, mm -hmm. certain people. Uh, always take a chance because you can always go back. Mm -hmm. You can always step back and say, okay, well, I, I did attempt it and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So try to give yourself a chance. 
um, if you if you're at a point that you are in a really domestic, a really bad situation and you don't know where to go, there are places you can go to. Yes, there are. Uh, is it the Hubbard House you can go to? There are people you can, even if it's a friend or a house, somewhere that you can get protection. Go to the police. Mm -hmm. what, whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. If you feel that you cannot help yourself, yes, there are people there that will help you. You can get out of the situation if you want to. If you want to, yes. you have to find that that will to do it. And um, as for my kids, yes, they have been affected. Um, I have tried to talk to them. There were times they were angry with me, and there were times that they didn't want to talk to me. They were just extremely angry. But it wasn't the fact that they were angry with me. It was angry with the situation. Yes, and angry that I couldn't give them everything that they wanted. Because even with my ex-husband too, uh, the, the second one, I I didn't get child support. So I had to get two or three jobs. It took me away from my kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they they missed that. They missed me for that reason. Mm -hmm. They do. It, it does affect the children. Because mm -hmm. then mom has to step up and do everything. Yes. So I guess you know, taking working those three jobs will take you away from your children. Yeah. But I want to say as well, have a plan. Yes. Um, if you're in a domestic violence situation, have a plan. Get a plan. Pack a bag. Yeah. Always be ready to leave. Yes. Um, yes. If, and, but you have to hide it. Just, just yeah. pack it, hide it. And if you have to leave in a hurry or in a rush, if, like Rose said, if you have to leave the house, you have your things and the kids' things already packed. Mm -hmm. um, so have a plan yes. to get out. And if you don't have all the documents, mm -hmm. remember, you can always claim for that. Um, you know, yes. go back and mm -hmm. get it somewhere else and remove that once you leave. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so don't worry about, you know, staying because of mm -hmm. certain papers. You mm -hmm. can always get through the books. There's yes. always a way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. we wanted to, to we'll probably do a second part on this. I don't know. Yes. What do you think, Rose? We should do yes. a second part of this because <laughs> we went a little over, but we wanted... I wanted her to tell her story because, like I said, she is my friend, and I wanted her to tell um, her story. When we met, we actually talked about a lot of this the first time we ever we met, and we we just clicked, and we we had a bond. And over these years, yeah. we've kept in touch. We've been friends, and I thought of her when when I, this segment came to mind. I'm like, I want to call her, <laughs> but I wanted to give out the national um, domestic violence national hotline number. That number is 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. So if you're in a domestic violence situation, we don't want you to stay there. We want you to get out um, because the long-term effects are devastating to that wife, that woman, those children, if we have any. So we want you to get out. My ask Rose one more time. Is there anything you want to add before we get off, before we get off the air? Just love yourself and know that you're worth something and you can do this without anyone else. You can do this. You're strong enough to do this. You have to find that inner strength. Please try to help yourself if you are going through this and know that you're worthy. Thank you. That is good advice. Know that you're worthy. Know what, what your worth is because the, it does beat down the self-esteem. And you have to know that you are worth something. You're worth your weight in gold. Yes, because they will always try to make you feel that you're nothing without them. And you have to believe that you are more than what they... They're just maybe intimidated by you because you are worth more. 
and I believe, and you can say Rose um, if you think so, I believe it's it's their self-esteem that's low. Yes. So they want to right. project right. their life mm-hmm. um, and what they feel on other people. Yes. It's their insecurities. It's never it's never that woman. It's his insecurities. Yeah. And we want to say again, the domestic violence is not just a man and wife. It could be. Um, a brother and sister, yes. it could be a mother um, and a daughter, whatever. Yes. But this morning we're talking about wives and husbands or women that are in potentially dangerous situations in domestic violence. Domestic violence is dangerous. Yes, it is. It has it has a long-term effect on some people if they're not strong. Um, I've seen women die in domestic violence yes. situations, and we don't want that to happen to you. No. So um, we're telling you to take good care. Yes. To make good decisions. Yes. And to take care of you and your children. Anything else before we do that? No. Okay. I think I'll do a second part. Yeah, we're going to do a second part because we went, we went in a little bit long, but we wanted to get, I wanted you to hear her story, get some information. We're going to do a second part of this. So we thank you for joining us this Tuesday morning. Rose, we thank you for joining us and doing this segment. And you, everybody have a great Tuesday. We'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Good morning, everyone. This is Helen Hooper, and I am the host of the Ladies' Choice Life Support Podcast. It is Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., November the 19th. And as usual, if you are leaving the house to get to work, it's a little bit after 7. I'm thinking you're out the door. You may be already in traffic if you have to be there by 8 o'clock. We want you to check for that other guy because he may not be checking for you in traffic, and we want you to arrive safely to your destination. So be safe out there this morning. As usual, I like to start each week's podcast off with something something inspirational or some something that can help somebody through their day, through their week, and I hope you guys could use it. But I was thinking, what could I say today? And I was thinking when I was praying on the other day, I call it walking on water when I am really focused, when I have a petition before the Lord that I know that I absolutely need him to answer. I don't want to take my focus off him. I want to pray. I want to be in my word. I want to keep my focus on him because I need this manifestation to happen in my life. I need for God to take care of this need, this area of my life. I don't care what it is. It could be finances. Um, It could be health. It could be anything because we all know um, going through life, We all have challenges and we all have petitions before the Lord. So I call it walking on water because when the Lord beckoned Peter to come to him, Peter only started and walk on water. Peter only started sinking when he took his eyes off the Lord. He started to sink. So when I am walking on water, when I have something before God that I need him to absolutely answer, And I need to see a manifestation. That may mean that I can't answer the phone for certain people because we know certain people call and they're going to put all kind of ugliness in your spirit. We don't, we don't want that at all. So sometimes you can't go with your friends to this, to this place. Sometimes you can't take phone calls. Sometimes you just have to get quiet and be by yourself. And it's okay because I'm walking on water right now and I can't be distracted. And it's okay if I have to walk by myself. But I know that I'm not alone because I know the Lord is there. But I want to stay focused. So I hope that helps someone this morning. When walking on water, 
Do not take your eyes off the Lord. That's what I wanted to say this morning. I hope that helps somebody. Amen. But this morning, I wanted to talk about women, us women again. And I wanted to entitle this segment, The Way Back to Me. Because lately, you know, I've been thinking about where God has brought me from up until now. How did I get back to myself? Because if I did this segment 20 years ago, I couldn't have been as positive as I wanted to be because I was in a situation where I didn't think that it was going to ever stop being just the worst place (laughs) I've ever been in my life. And I will tell you, it was not a good time 20 years ago. I was in a relationship. I was married for 20 years, probably with this person for 22 years with dating and then marriage. But I quickly learned as I got in that marriage deeper and deeper, this is not the place that I want to be. This is not the place. This isn't even good for my children that I needed to get out or I needed to have God to, to lead me and guide me on what to do. So I named this, uh, that's what I, I entitled this segment, The Way Back to Me. I was talking to a friend of mine this week and we were talking about, she had a situation going on when I met her. It, she was in a really bad situation, um, relationship wise, and she was really hurting. And I saw the parallels of what we, were, we went through, what I had gone through and what she was going through. God is so good like that. He will send you people that hurt just like you. You went through what you went through for people that hurt just like you. So for you to be able to tell them and to minister to them, this is what I did or this is what happened to me. So we were talking and we were sharing um, some different stories and she was talking about how her, I saw her hurt. I saw her pain. I saw her tears. And it was not a good place. But we were talking about how did we get back to us? And God is so good because he brought us through. I said from the time that I met you until the time now, how strong she had gotten. But it took a process. It was a process to get her back to where she had to be, to where she was strong until she could stand up on her own, until she can actually still speak to that person and still love on that person and still go on with her life. Same thing for me. Because when I left that situation, it was a bad situation. But God brought me from that point in the early 90s all the way up until now. And I said, I told her, I shared with her and I'll share with you because I want to be transparent because we have to be transparent to help other women, other people. If we act like we've never been through anything and we've never experienced anything, how can we tell anybody anything? Because one thing I do know, if you haven't read the book, you don't know what to tell people. You have not opened that book. You don't know what's in it. You're not familiar with it. So you can't help anybody. So if somebody asks you about it, what could you say? Nothing. But if you've dealt with that problem, we need to be transparent with other women, with other people and say, hey, yeah, I had that pain. I had that hurt. I dealt with depression. I dealt with anxiety. So talking to her, we just got into that pain that we felt. And I was telling her, I thought this pain was so bad. It was like something was dying on the inside of me. And I knew that it had to change. And I knew that I wanted it to change, but I had to ask the Lord. I had to get with the Lord. I had to really get quiet and be honest with myself and say, Lord, you have to lead and guide me. 
I don't like the way that I'm feeling. I didn't even like the person that I was becoming because I was becoming bitter and I was becoming mean. And I didn't like that because that wasn't the person that came into the marriage. But the situations and the issues that I had in the relationship started getting me to, to be another person. I started to dislike the person that I was with. And I didn't like that. So I asked God, God, show me the way back to me. Show me the way back to Helen. That person that before I entered this marriage, before I even met this person, I want to get back to that happy, to that joy, to that peace that I had before I entered into this, into this situation, into this relationship. So we as women, we wear a lot of different hats, and we know we do. We're mothers. We're providers. We're encouragers. You know, we're doctors sometimes. We're nurses sometimes. We have to be strong when everybody else needs us. Not knowing sometimes when you go to bed at night, because I've done it, and I know whoever's listening. I know there's a lot of women that's listening. Nobody hears the tears that hit your pillow at night in the middle of the night because your kids are sleeping. And you peek in there and they're fine. They're peaceful. They're asleep. But inside of you, there's hurt going on. There's pain. Those heart scars are just, it won't let you sleep. That pain that you have inside. So I ask God, how do I get back to me? Give me a way. Show me what I'm to do. Because that pain was real. And when I got ready to leave that situation, I had to get strong. I had to get strong to leave it. I'm not going to say it's not hard to do that. I'm not going to say it's not hard to get back to you, but aren't you worth fighting for? Aren't you worth getting back to yourself? That beautiful person that God created. He said before, before you were even born, before you were even in your mother's womb, he knew you. He put something inside of you. He put a purpose inside of you. He put a plan. He had a plan for your life. And sometimes the enemy gets really, really, really busy because the devil is a dirty fighter, always have been. The enemy gets busy. He wants to put up walls and smoke screens and look over here. He wants you to look at the shiny objects over here when we should be looking ahead. Like I said earlier, keeping our eyes on God and walking on water and staying focused. But that doesn't always happen. So in that marriage that I was in, I had a lot of hurt. I had a lot of pain. I had a lot of disappointment. And I had to get with myself and say, hey, I have to, there has to be a change here. So this is what I had to do. I had to decide and make choices. Because when I made a choice, God started making moves for me. And I could see it. All you have to do is make a choice to be happy. No matter if you have to cut away friends, family, even sometimes children have to be put on the back burner because this is survival that we're talking about. And it is real. Hurt and pain and misery is real. And the enemy thrives on that. He wants you to think that it's never going to get any better, but it is. All those heart scars that I had, God healed those. And when I asked him, about leading me and guiding me and I had to listen and I got real about the situation because I know this has to change. I cannot stay here. I want to get back to my happy. I want to get back to my joy. I want to get back to my peace. And sometimes we have to cut the whole world out. You have to ask God if, if he is, if he is cutting people away, let him cut them away. You might 
lose a friend here or there. You might lose a coworker here or there, whatever. You may even lose uh, a boyfriend, maybe a girlfriend, if there are some men that are listening, and I hope you are. But getting back to yourself is not easy. I ask God, show me the way back to me. I can serve you better. And that's what he did. And out of all that hurt, out of all that pain, out of all everything, birth, ladies' choice. I thought I was doing it for my daughter because she, um, she was 15 at the time, I believe. May have been 14. I think she was 15. But she kept bringing her friends around. And mommy, they want to talk to you. And mommy, did they say they can talk to you? Can they talk to you? And I'm thinking, okay. And I would talk to her friends. And I'm thinking, hmm, you know, I'm going to start this organization just for girls, for my baby. And I did. I thought I was. But God was actually healing me as I helped those young women. It turned into something so much bigger. And I'll tell you again, I just said it. When I made a choice, God started making moves and my purpose came into play. And those heart scars were not as heavy anymore. I wasn't hurting as bad anymore. And I start making choices that were, was best for my life. My kids were grown by the time I left that relationship. My daughter was in college. My son had gone off to work. Everybody was grown, taking care of themselves. And I had to make some decisions about my life. Ladies' Choice came about. It thrived. I started my first initial, my first initial thing. I just love this. I love helping young women, teenage girls elementary school girls, middle school, I mean, doing at-risk summer camps, all that. I started doing that, but it quickly changed into something else. God gave me women that was hurting, broken. I had rape victims. I had incest victims. I had women that were in domestic violence situations, and their husbands were just awful to them. But guess what? In that process, I was healing as I was helping. And that was the plan that God had for me. Had I stayed in that relationship and just, just let the enemy fool me out of my purpose and kept, kept me looking at the shiny objects over here, I would have never started Ladies' Choice because I was hurt so bad. I didn't think, what am I doing this for? What am I doing that for? I'm, I'm this is never going to stop. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm married. I want to stay married, but I know I can't stay married. Not to this person anyway. So when I made a choice, God started making moves, opening doors, and I could see myself getting back to me. So when I moved back to Jacksonville, God was still healing. The healing process was still going on, even though I helped hundreds of women, girls, I mean, I work with chaplains out on Fort Bragg. I work with colonels out on Fort Bragg with soldiers and their wives. I've done transitional housing for women in domestic violence and abusive situations. I've stood before judges with these women. I know what they went through. All that, I say that to say this, when I started looking at my purpose and relying on God to move for me in that situation, he started opening doors and I saw myself getting back to me. Now, as women, we take on a whole lot. We wear so many hats and sometimes we don't take time out for ourselves. 
we want to make sure that the husband is okay, that the job is okay, that the children are okay. And then we got some people calling us on the phone. They want to tell you all their problems. And sometimes they don't even ask you, how did your, how is your day? How are you feeling? I'm praying for you. They just go right into their spills. And then they just pour their stuff on your already stuff. <laughs> and when you don't get a chance to even settle down, you don't even get a chance to breathe. You don't even get a chance to say, look, can somebody see my tears? Nobody sees your tears in the middle of the night but God. And he knows. But my thing for you this morning is, what is the way back to you? that you're going to get your peace, you're going to get your happiness, you're going to get your joy. It is advantageous for you to get with God, to ask, Lord, show me how to get my peace back, how to get my joy back. And I tell people this all the time, and they look at me like, okay, that makes sense. Everybody, well, the devil this and the devil that, stop blaming the devil for everything. And I'm going to say this, women of God and men of God who's listening, However you rank in the kingdom, in the spirit realm, is how demons are assigned to you. If you're high ranking in the kingdom, you have a high ranking demon that has been assigned to you. We have to learn to get into the word of God and know what we're dealing with. You have to, there's a scripture for everything that is going on in your life. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am the seed of Abraham, therefore... You know, I sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Nothing can take the word of God from you. And the enemy only, only respects the word of God. He does not respect your word. Only the word of God when you give it back to him. When Jesus went into the wilderness for those 40 days and the devil went to tempt him, three times he's had to say, it is written. It is written. It is written. Now, if the living word had to give the word of God, to the devil, what do you think about yourself? You're going to have to get into the word. You're going to have to get quiet with God and let him lead and guide you because we all need to be better women for ourselves, if for nobody else, for ourselves. And if mothers, you still have children at home, you need to be better mothers for your children. But we have to be happy. We have to be whole. When we let our emotions run away with us, that is wrong. When you are emotionally driven, that is the worst thing that you can ever do is let your emotions take control and lead and let you make decisions. Because when you make an emotional decision, it's usually a wrong decision. So I had to learn. I had to stop and ask God, show me. I need to be healed. My heart scars need to be healed. All the hurt, the pain, the disappointment had to be healed. I remember when I first got back to Jacksonville, God sent really good people into my life. Even after my divorce, he sent really good men into my life. God married men. But because I had trust issues I would, and other issues, because those scars were still being healed, those idiosyncrasies were still being healed, I had to get over some things. And it's okay to let, you know, to be healed, to, to allow yourself to be healed and be whole. I remember keeping people at bay. Some blessings I may have missed just because I wasn't trusting. And I was still thinking, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I was missing my happy. I was missing my joy. I was missing my peace because God was trying to bless me in those areas. So getting back to myself, 
took seven years after my divorce. Seven years. But today I can tell you that I'm happy. I have my happy. I have my joy. I have my peace. Not to say that I don't go through things from time to time because we all do. The Bible tells us. He said that in this life you'll go through tribulations. But he also said he will be with us. He did not say that I was not going to have him or you was not going to have him. He said, I will be with you in them. We have to look at things in our situations. We have to pray from the point of a victor and not a victim. We are already victorious because he did it on the cross. And I say that all the time because it is true. He did it on the cross. So how do you get back to you? What is the way back to you? Because God needs you healthy. He needs you whole. The world needs whatever he placed into you, that purpose that he put you here for. He needs that from you. So you need to get with God. You need to find out what that purpose is. The world is waiting for whatever you have. And it's just not being a mother. It's just not being a father. It's just not being a teacher. It's just not doing. It is something that the world absolutely needs, that his people needs, that his kingdom needs. So. I want to encourage you to get back to you. Find that way back to your happy, your joy, your smile. It took me a long time to smile again. It took me a long time to trust again, but God did it. So let me know what you think about this segment. It was something that I was thinking about, something that was on my heart. So I hope you listen. I hope you have a beautiful Tuesday, and I hope you find your way back to you.